Amen. Good morning. My name is Rachel Armstrong, and if you don't know this, I feel like I should tell you in advance that I am married to Pastor Jacob. The reason I tell you that is that when I preached last year, I had someone come tell me after the service that I was better than the regular guy. So it got a little awkward later when he found out I was married to the regular guy. So. Um, Jacob and I were honored and blessed to have the opportunity to start Providence Church in 2008, and over the years I've served in different roles. I came on staff officially for the first time about 18 months ago as the Director of Student Ministries, and I work with our 6th through 12th grade students. Uh, But even before I came on staff, I've had the honor of being on our preaching team and preaching one Sunday a year. So when I heard we were studying the book of John for a year, I hoped that I would get to speak on the uh, week that we hear from John 15. It's one of my favorite chapters. But when the preaching schedule came out, I looked and I was scheduled in August for John 11. And that was fine, they're all really good chapters. But a few months later, Pastor Jacob came back and said, hey, do you think you could switch to September 18th? And I said, that's no problem. And with bated breath, I checked the preaching schedule and what do you know, John 15, today. So it felt like God in his kindness and his providence arranged things where I was able to share with you from a chapter that's really meant a lot to me. Um, It's something that God has used to shape me, to challenge me, to encourage me, and I'm excited to share some of that with you guys this morning. So let's get started. Uh, When our oldest daughter Mary was 16, I ran into the pediatrician who had cared for her when she was a toddler when we were living in Murfreesboro. So I was updating him on how she was doing, and I told him, I feel like I'm running out of time. I only have two years left to tell Mary everything she needs to know before she enters the adult world. Dr. Bigham's response was this, you're too late. She's 16 and she's not listening anymore. (laughs) So his, his comment did crack me up. It terrified me a little bit, and it did take some pressure off because it helped me to see that I had been pouring into Mary these life lessons on a daily basis, and she had been absorbing them along the way. However, even knowing that, I still had some things that were so important that I had to try to get them in or revisit them with her before she started college in August. When we know our time is limited, what do we want to communicate to the people we love? When I heard about Queen Elizabeth's death last week, I immediately began to wonder what some of her last words were. She was 96 years old. She had reigned for 70 years. She had to know that every time she gave a public address, these could be the last words that she spoke publicly. So I wasn't surprised that when I read her Christmas address, she shared not for the first time about her personal relationship with Jesus. She said that Jesus's teachings had been the bedrock of her faith. And then in February, in her last public message on the 70th anniversary of her accession day, she expressed some desires that she had for how she hoped things would be after she passed away. It's just very interesting to see what people share when they know that their time is limited. So this sentiment is what makes the chapters we're currently studying in John so interesting. These are Jesus's last words that he shares with his disciples before his death. And we have four chapters of Jesus speaking that John records in this book. Jesus had been pouring into his disciples daily for the last three years, but what did he want to revisit with them? What did he want to emphasize with them in his last days on earth as a human? Our current series is called, If What Jesus Says is True. 
And we are going to highlight five themes that Jesus wanted to communicate in his last opportunity to teach those who are following him. So let's pay close attention to what Jesus has to say. The word that summarizes what Jesus is trying to get through to his followers in John chapter 15 is connection. Connection is the secret to life in Jesus. John 15 opens with a very well-known passage of scripture that most Bibles call the vine and the branches. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So sometimes Jesus' words are confusing or mysterious or hard to understand. Sometimes he talks to us about sheep or sowing seeds or other analogies that don't quite hit right 2,000 years later. But this one still works. Even the non-farmers in the room understand how branches work. This is an example from my yard this week. You see these branches? They are green and lovely and doing exactly what branches are supposed to do. But what happens when these branches are no longer connected? We get it. They end up in the burn pile. This makes sense. Branches have to be connected to the vine to live and to bear fruit. So Jesus tells us in the same easy to understand way that, that branches need to be connected to vines, human beings spiritually have to be connected to him to flourish. So if we want to live a healthy, vibrant life as a follower of Jesus, we have to be connected to him. The NIV version that I just read to you says that we have to remain in him. There are other versions that use words like abide in him, stay with him, live in him. All of them are trying to communicate the same thing. Following Jesus is not a one-time decision that we make to become a Christian. It's not even a weekly worship service as important and meaningful as this is. What Jesus is inviting us to do is to live in a place of constant connection and complete dependence on him. Our connection to Jesus is intended to be the center of our lives, our identity, who we are flows out of the connection to him. So Jacob and I were blessed to be connected to Jesus very early in life, and we were still teenagers when we both realized that God was inviting us to serve him and the church with our whole lives, including the work we would do for a living. So Jacob's first job at a church began when he was 19. And Jacob working at a church meant that I was a very dedicated volunteer. So as we started out life in ministry, we began to seek out people that we could pattern our lives after. We saw uh, people who were flourishing in ministry, their lives were bearing fruit years and years in, and we wanted to learn from them. So we started paying attention. But in addition to great examples, we started seeing some people that had fallen into some unhealthy patterns and some things that we wanted to avoid. Um, life in ministry can be really hard. 
And there were some people that we saw that as a result, they became hard. They became insensitive or unkind. Um, On the other extreme, we saw people who, because life had been so hard and full of so many battles, that they just had no fight left in them at all. And our shorthand for these two extremes became, how do we avoid becoming a jerk or becoming a doormat? That's just kind of how we began to look at that dichotomy. And we thought, we want to be like the people who are still beautiful and vibrant after years and years of ministry. So what came to our minds were these verses about the vine and the branches. And we said to ourselves, we have to stay connected to Jesus. We can't live the kind of life we want to live. We can't serve in the ways we want to serve if we don't have a deep connection to him. And so over the last 23 years, anytime we have seen the signs of withering creeping into our lives, we've tried to go back to these verses. Am I getting a little impatient or unkind with this person? I've got to get back in the vine. Am I having trouble leading in a certain hard area? I've got to go to Jesus to get the strength I need to lead. And this is not just like a hypothetical a long time ago. That's withering that shows up in our lives every week. Like while I'm living with these verses this week, Jesus is having to point out to me the places that I'm not deeply connected to him and draw me back and bring me closer. But what I've realized over the years is these are not verses just for people who work at a church. These are verses for every follower of Jesus. Any of us who want to live our lives as a follower of Jesus must remain in him if we want to bear fruit for his glory. So do you want to be a parent who can be patient and kind and loving with your children? Well, guess what? That's like the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. It's not a job that any of us can do apart from Jesus. Do you want to love well, be a light at your work, at your school, wherever God has placed you? You can't do that on your own. Do you want to live in that sweet spot in between being a jerk and being a doormat? (laughs) Then you are going to need to be connected to Jesus. Life is hard, and we are not going to pull it off effectively without a deep connection, abiding in him, living our lives in him, being connected to him. Connection is the secret to bearing fruit. Now, when I read John 15, I notice the repetition of the word if. I'm struck by all the times Jesus makes an if statement. So as we look at some of these verses together again, I want you to pay attention to what things Jesus says are definites and what things are ifs. So in verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. This is how the universe is set up. This is how life works. Jesus says, my father is the gardener. He's growing something in this world and I'm the source of everything that he's doing. I'm the vine that everything else is growing out of. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is just the facts. These are the definites. And then Jesus starts to get to some of the ifs. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So here are your choices. Here are the ifs. Will you remain in Jesus and bear fruit? Or will you try to do this on your own and wither? When we choose option one, we are like the pretty green branches in my yard. And when we choose option two, we're going to feel like the limbs in my burn pile. So connection is so important. 
In verse seven, Jesus gives us a practical way that we can remain in him and stay connected. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Last week, Jacob talked about how important it is that the words of Jesus become so precious to us that they are where we go for our comfort and for our peace. You may have heard a phrase that Pastor Gary says around here frequently. I've heard him say, let me speak to you in Bible for a moment. Pastor Gary has made the words of Jesus, the words in the Bible, so precious to him that he thinks Bible and he speaks in Bible. And what better language for us as followers of Jesus to become fluent in. I want you to travel back with me to the late 80s, early 90s when I was still a child. I don't know if churches today are still holding planned revival services, but I grew up here in Mount Juliet at First Baptist Church, and for many years we had a revival where a speaker would come in and they would preach for many nights in a row. Recently, someone shared one of the flyers on Facebook from that time, and I want you to see it. So I want you to notice the dates, August 20th to 27th, that's eight nights in a row that we had church. So I don't know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, yeah, let's try it. And some of you are like, that sounds crazy. So I don't know, I don't know where you fall. But we went to church eight nights in a row and we heard from Angel Martinez. So what I remember about Angel Martinez is that he wore very flashy, brightly colored suit jackets and that he had the entire New Testament memorized. All right, so the skeptics in here are like, that's not possible. He couldn't have done that. I Googled it, and there are several people still around, still living, who have 20 to 23 books of the Bible memorized. So it's possible, don't get distracted, but for the point of my story, what I want you to know is we believed him, and it inspired some of us to start memorizing scripture. So when I was a teenager, and I was trying to decide out of all these books in the Bible, out of all these chapters, what do I wanna memorize? What do I wanna put in my heart so that I have it with me all the time? And one of the chapters that spoke to me was this one, it was John 15. So as a teenager, I memorized these verses about being connected to Jesus. Um, and they have served me so well. I can't begin to tell you the number of times that these verses were exactly what I needed to get me back on track, to center my heart, to give me the foundation that I needed. And while we don't have to memorize scripture for it to be meaningful and for us to be connected, um, we do have to get familiar with it. It has to become precious to us. We have to spend time in it so that we can become people who think Bible and speak Bible. Remaining in the word is important for connection. Now, when we get to verse nine, Jesus makes a new statement about how we remain, how we abide, how we stay connected. Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Some of Jesus' words are hard. This if statement makes us really have to evaluate ourselves. And Jesus doubles down on it in verse 14 when he, has, he says the same thing in slightly different words. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You might be thinking, that is not how most of my friendships work. Um, and that's why Jesus has to give us different metaphors for how our relationship with him works. Jesus says, I am your friend, but I'm also your master. Scripture says Jesus is our brother, but he's also the husband to the brightest church. He's our shepherd. He's the light illuminating the darkness in us and around us. He's the vine. It takes all of these different images and more for us to begin to see exactly how our relationship with Jesus works. So Jesus says, I call you my friends, but our friendship does work a little differently than your other friendships. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. So we come to this big if in John 15. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You are my friends if you do what I command. John, who wrote this account of Jesus' life, also wrote some letters later on in his life. One of them is the book we call 1 John. And when we read 1 John, what we can see is that John has held on to these last words of Jesus, even the hard ones, and he has found them to be true. He's found them to be precious. He's built his life on them. And now he wants to pass them on to others who are following Jesus. So in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John writes, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. So I've said that in John 15, Jesus lays out some things that are definites and some things that are ifs. And I want to be as clear as I possibly can when I tell you there is no if when it comes to God's love for you. You can obey or you can disobey, and God loves you. You can remain in him or you can run far, far away, and God loves you, period. That is just how the universe works. That is a definite. The question is not if God loves us. He does. The question is, do we love God? And Jesus says that the way we show love for God is to obey him. Obedience is necessary for connection. Jesus is calling us deeper. He's inviting us to live like he did. In John 15, 9, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So Jesus practiced the type of obedience and the type of remaining that he's inviting us into. He's not asking us to obey him because he has a weird idea of how friendship works. Listen to why Jesus tells us that he is, he's sharing these hard words with us. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus really is a good friend. We have to trust his great love for us. Even his hardest words are for our joy. So if you're like me, you're feeling a little concerned right now. If you're thinking, I do love Jesus, but I do not always obey. So what does this mean? How do I obey more? How do I go deeper? How do I remain in his love? I want to live connected to the vine. Well, I think Jesus is giving us the key to obedience in this same passage. So how do we fight out the voices that we hear every day from living in a culture that does not promote obedience to God? How do we um, overcome our own sinful desires that would draw us away from obedience to God? It's by staying connected to the vine. Obedience is necessary for connection, and connection is necessary for obedience. We've all heard of vicious cycles that we can get caught up in, but this is actually a beautiful cycle that God invites us to be a part of. God loves us and invites us to be connected to him. By being connected to him, we experience his goodness and we love him, and our love makes us want to obey him. And then that very connection to him gives us the supernatural strength that we need to obey and to bring him glory by our obedience and by the fruit that we're bearing. So this is the secret to the Christian life. If we're having trouble keeping God's commands, if our lives do not seem like his joy has been made complete in us, if we're not bearing the fruit that we want to bear, the answer is not to try harder. 
It's not to berate ourselves because we don't love him enough. The answer is to have a deeper connection to the vine. I'm gonna lift up just one more beautiful verse from this passage as we move towards our time of Holy Communion. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is the kind of friend who asks you to obey him. Jesus is also the kind of friend who laid down his life for yours. Greater love has no one than this. So as we prepare to come to the table, let's commit ourselves again to remaining in his love, to being connected to the vine, to living with Jesus. God, you have loved us in such an unconditional and complete way. Thank you that there is no if when it comes to your love for us. But God, we hear this invitation that you're offering us, that we can remain connected to you, we can live in you, that we can have your words in us, and we just ask that you would draw us closer. Deepen that connection, God. Give us the faith to stay connected to you. And thank you for all of the love, all of the joy, all of the strength that you give as we live in you. In Jesus' name, amen.